Welcome, everybody, to Forgotten Heroes. It's me, Zach, and Chris. Hello. What's up, Chris? How's it going? Oh, it's going, my friend. It is going. We are going to talk about some seriously interesting characters today, not only in relation to time in the multiverse, but in relation to just their creation. Jack Kirby had some wild ideas, and that's probably going to be said a couple times throughout this. Yeah, he he, you know what? That's true, and he really. That's why. What I remember, I love it when people are just like, so Stanley and Jack Kirby made Marvel. I'm like, yes, Stan's the man, but Jack is the king because he also worked with DC. Oh yeah. Anything, anything, anything. He's like, this is not gonna fly in Marvel. DC, you can have this. Basically, yeah, exactly. To my understanding. Yeah. So it, it, it that makes DC sound like kind of like the recycling bin and yeah it just sound a little bit less worthy but it's not we, we don't know <laughs> marvel had their rules and dc had theirs so jack's yeah. like all right this could work with marvel uh this won't here you go dc but th- this will work with you so first foremost before i even talk about who we're talking about that was a sentence um i want to we always mention we were talking about comic books the multiverse is in play What's unique, though, about this this group of people is it technically isn't, and I will get into that. Yeah. So, again, we will probably be mentioning Earths. This is DC, so there will be, generally speaking, they're going to be anywhere, they're going to be numbered Earths anywhere from 0 to 52. We might talk a little bit about the Dark Multiverse. We're definitely not going to talk about the Infinite Frontier stuff because that is only now happening to update this podcast. Mm-hmm. But that we're dating it as in like a few months from now we're dating this episode. So Infinite Frontier just happened. We're not going to talk about the new DC Multiverse lineup. We're only talking about from you know uh, Rebirth and Past. Mm-hmm. So maximum positive Earths fifty two fifty three. But this group technically exists outside of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, it's it's weird, you know. It it sort of adds to their, if you want to put it this way, their sort of like power level is that they exist outside the multiverse. So they're in like a weird classification of gods, essentially within the multiverse, but outside of the multiverse, it's a little bit more vague. Um, but it's still it, it contributes sort of a interesting narrative arc based on the environment that they're from and sort of like the roles that they take up. Yeah. So well, the environment that they're from is uh, a, a fire, a fire ridden uh, planet. So yep. it sucks. Uh, we're some talking would say about wasteland. <laughs> uh, some would say dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about those. We're talking about the apocalypteans. Yay. So those, so those are the new gods of DC specifically we're talking about those from the quote unquote bad planet. If you want to you can call it bad. I mean, if you've seen what apocalypse looks like in comics or in animated movies or the shows, they got fire spewing out of giant pits on the planet. So yeah, it's pretty bad. It's basically hell yeah. without being hell because I think hell exists in the DC landscape but mm-hmm. it it's hell for new for new deities basically so we are talking about them 
they exist in what's referred to as fourth world. Fourth world is like if and you can find this map. And if you just Google this map on uh, you Google DC multiverse map, you'll find it. It exists up like on a layer above the multiverse. So like there's heaven, there's hell, there's dreaming, there's uh, you know, there's New Genesis, which is the counterparts for the Apocalyptians, and then there's Apocalypse. So they exist. So there's technically supposed to be only one of everybody from Apocalypse, but certain shows and movies and whatnot, obviously they're not going to follow that rule, especially not like the old Justice League show, because that's a little confusing. Yeah. Basically, what's supposed to be like if, say, the Justice League of Earth, I don't know, five went and fought Apocalypse and went and fought people from there, and then they left, those people could be like, oh, they they just left, good. Incoming from Earth Zero, god damn it. Like, literally, <laughs> it's the same. It's, there's only one of them, but, yeah. again, certain comics and um, shows and movies will just... They just they just ignore the rule, and it's perfectly... And you know what? It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, it's I'm a little gonna... bit more, like, left up to interpretation based on whoever's creating... You know, the show or the series or the movie, it's sort of like their own kind of interpretation of from it. Um, and that gets some like sort of cool iterations of it. But at the same time, just like basically base level when we're talking about Apocalypse, um, canonically, there's only one instance of it outside of the multiverse. But once again, different directors, different creators um, put throw their own sort of like understanding onto it. And that's why you get different versions of it. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make it any less interesting. I agree with you. Yeah, it really, and, and they keep it, they do keep it interesting because these people were technically supposed to be just the enemies of those from new Genesis, but they got so popular. They went, all right, you know what? Uh, why don't we have them fight or team up with those with members of the justice league? And now it's like, it's like when somebody, you know, if somebody were to tell you, oh, they were going to just be a, like one-off villains or like stick to their own story. It's like, what? What are you talking about? That's impossible. There's no way. And main person, when you think of Apocalypse, is the Lord, the Emperor, the Dictator, whatever you wanna, label you want to give him, Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Or as many people, some people definitely wouldn't say it to his face, uh, you know, stone face. Because he looks like he's made out of stone. Yeah, yeah, would not recommended. <laughs> not recommended that you say that to his face. No, but, he doesn't yeah. even have to look at you. He'll get rid of you. Oh yeah. So he, yeah, he is the Lord of Apocalypse. His real name is actually Euxus. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have a brother named Drax, not DC Drax. Everyone likes to make that joke. Yeah. Who he usurped for the throne, and it's his original origin obviously with comic books his origin has been changed and whatnot so you know we're gonna talk a little bit about probably a little bit about both but i'm also gonna use the newer origin mm-hmm. yeah so his, it, it, it's worth noting because it's it's changed enough within um dc that it's definitely something that if you're going to talk about dark side you need to hit his new origin right exactly and then because, and I, the only reason, like, you know, I, I know we just said, well, he exists outside the multiverse. Yes, but he's still part of it. So if the multiverse gets rewritten, rewritten, 
So does so would his Earth. So would his planet and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. but that's more like the whole multiverse just got wiped away and put back. Not oh, it only happened to this one Earth. It's like okay, well he doesn't care. But that also means that Darkseid canonically can and usually is as powerful as pre-crisis Superman from before the crisis on Infinite Earth. And I just want to, I just want to explain, you know, I just want to say something that's impressive because that Superman could sneeze solar systems away. Yep. So that's a character who's ridiculously powerful. And you have this other guy who could beat him and still could, it should, if that other person existed, which he doesn't, but dark side, real name, Uxus brother of high father, the leader of the new Genesis people. They did have a sister. Uh, I said they did because unfortunately when their planet was being ruled by the old gods who didn't give, uh, you know, two pennies for their own worshippers. Didn't care. Mm-hmm. Darkseid, Uxus was like, all right, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm going to have that. They're going to fight each other. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to take their powers. His brother was like, no, you can't. You know, first was like, yes, let's do that. And then he's like, well, this probably wasn't a good idea. Got powers from the last of the, one of the last of the old gods. And by old gods, I mean, like, you know, just beings that don't exist anymore. Mm hmm. And he got the last of that power. They split the, their planet, and one of them, once half became Apocalypse, the other half became New Genesis. And I, I know I said old gods, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, Cthulhu and stuff. Yeah, you kind of you want to throw him in there. I'm sure that yeah. a, you know an argument could be made, but also the old gods technically would constitute. Like zoo, like the Greek and the Egyptian pantheons, because in a key story, when something, you know, when the story occurred, Shazam, who was connected to certain gods, lost his powers. So they're like, "Oh, he, lo- you lost the connection to certain old, old to the old, an old pantheon. So now we got to get you a new one." So he is even old. He's older than Zeus, but. His pantheon is like newer than the Greeks. I'm not 100% sure how that works. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those you. things. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's a little bit more left up to interpretation. All you need to know is that essentially the old gods were, you know, they were deities. They were gods. And that's like the key point behind it. And then they were overthrown by Darkseid and his brother. And then sort of Darkseid became a little bit more power hungry than his brother. Usurped his brother and ended up sort of like being the victor um for worse because dark side is not exactly you know friendly or a big teddy bear by any stretch of the imagination i mean with a name like that i would assume not yeah he's kind of born into his edginess unfortunately yeah. <laughs> well not unfortunately he's a rad bad guy but you know yep. so he's also the father of Calibac and orion who is technically a hero and i'll explain why he you know his son's a hero and also i believe we mentioned her in the wonder woman episode grail mm-hmm. who is half Basically. yeah half apocalyptic half amazonian except apparently her mother's from a different earth than earth prime again comic books whatever yep. he's also the adopted father 
technically uncle of Scott Free. And why I say technically uncle is because he and Highfather exchanged sons as peace treaty as a peace treaty. A little questionable, but sure, whatever. So yeah. So Highfather raised Orion to be Orion, to be a, a good guy. He's with a little bit of a temper. Gets that's from his dad, I guess. Darkseid did not raise Scott Free. He's just like, all right, you're going to, you're going here, and you're gonna be tortured. I don't care. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about Scott Free a little bit later in the episode. He takes up a key role too, but he's a, he's a pretty cool, interesting, and dynamic character as well, and he has some cool growth too. But I don't want to spoil that. We're still talking about Darkseid, so. Yep. So, and Darkseid's ultimate goal in life is to dominate everybody. To dominate all life, you know, and it, how how is he going to do that? He's going to do that with the anti-life equation. I'm sure many of you are like, duh, duh, what the hell is that? What is the anti-life equation? You can make a joke. Basically, it's a math equation that just makes you, you know, give up free will. Mm-hmm. The AKA math is evil. Yes, but also not really. <laughs> you know, so which dark side has gotten it before, and but then, you know, universe gets reworked or something and he loses it or whatever mm. and it's funny because you're like well how are you going to solve that there are parts of it and it was funny as I, I think i remember some of it i think it's loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery divided by con- condemnation it's literally just a lot of bad crap that you yeah. just don't want yeah and you and it's mix it like, all together and boom you yep. lose free will yeah and you get a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of Sugar and spice, a bunch of things that are nowhere close to nice, and then there you go. You don't want to live anymore, and Darkseid has complete control of you. Yep, and he, you know, he's actually taken Earth entirely, like the new 52 Earth 2. He took as a as a peace offering, as a prize from High Father. So that just shows you just how above they feel they are to, you know, everyday heroes. Like ah, we're above your universe. We can use you as as peace treaties. Um. Excuse me, no, we did not authorize this. Yeah. So, fun little, some powers that he has. He's got something called the Omega Sanction, and it's like power of, he's just, it's like pure anti-life. You know, pure, they don't fully dis- explain what the Omega Sanction is, but it is what made Darkseid Darkseid. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he could trap you in a, in a, Basically in a Groundhog's Day, but every time, every single time that you die, which would reset it, uh, your death just keeps getting more and more uh, excruciating until you end up with no free will or you just give up hope on life. So, yeah, I mean, he basically has immortality, not a near invulnerability. Everybody just really has near near invulnerability. He has mm-hmm. Omega Beams. Omega beams are, I think, the coolest thing that he has because they can go do, they can do anything with him, just you know, zap you to disintegrate you. He doesn't even have to fully look at you. Like Darkseid can be facing one direction, and like the Flash is running around, Darkseid can just shoot them from his eyes, and they will zigzag and follow Flash, even if it was like Flash and you know Wally West Flash, and they ran and they split. Those beams will follow. They don't care. They, he, he's seeking energy beams from your eyes. That's just dope. Yeah, the Omega Beams are like kind of one of his 
it's kind of like Darkseid's biggest, well, his his most physical flex that you can see, other than reading into his character and you know with the Omega Sanction and everything like that. But yeah, it's you know if you're familiar with the geometric shape that it takes, you know what we're talking about. It's you know it's brought up every single time that you see Darkseid, at least whether you're playing Injustice Two or watching some of the old animated movies. Um, yeah, Omega Beams is they're so cool and they have a wide breadth of damage output as well as sort of like variability which just make them just way cooler right and they and they do and you know because so many people are like oh he's got heat vision oh he's got laser beam oh it's, it's boring boring now how about ones that basically if he, they leave his eyes and they can almost think like they're not mm-hmm. alive but it's like it, if you could pre-program heat vision, that is exactly what this is. Like yeah, he, the, he, it, he just he's just like, all right, they're gonna follow this guy, yeah, and then he shoots them, and then they go, like done. Yeah, he sort of like sets the target, and then the omega beam figures out how to get to the target the most efficiently, um, or honestly, just in like the coolest way, because that happens a lot of the time too. <laughs> but it's sort of like yeah. you know, dark side is controlling it, but at the same, it's not a separate entity, but it's like like a, a branch off of his power. So it makes its own decisions, but through the decisions that Darkseid makes. So, you know, it's it's not robotic, it's not organic or anything like that, right. but it, it, it does have its own, at the very least, directional decision-making. And that's like kind of as far as it is taken. It does. It never sort of like develops its own intelligence and is like, what is my purpose? Oh my god, or anything like that. It just, you <laughs> know, mean, just sort of like destroys, and because that's yeah. the only thing that Darkseid uses it for. So that would be terrifying. But <laughs> that would be terrifying if they if it became alive, because Darkseid will have a lot of issues with that, I'm sure. But oh. he, al- yeah, well, he also can just he'll fire them, and then. After I guess when they leave a certain I don't know radius of him, he can just go off and do something else. Like he doesn't have to. They don't have to be connected to his eyes fully. Yeah. But it's also show something also interesting that shows you just how powerful new gods are is they have to use something called a mother box. Mm-hmm. What's a mother box? Well, it's a sentient computer, and which sounds a little silly when you're like, all right, so it's AI. Yes and no, because if you've watched Young Justice or even if you've read some of the comics, they're technically alive. Like they have a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen Young Justice, that would be the, you know, this is a character that plays very heavily with the importance of a mother box and like its soul. But, you know, they're in a way living, living beings. Basically, I would say if you could equivalent all the AI movies, like Terminator and all that stuff, no. Like, f- the farthest f- evolution of them that you can think of, where they literally have a soul, if you believe in souls, they have a soul, that is what a mother box is. But they, but, n- you know, the new gods have to use mother boxes to teleport anywhere into a universe. Because mm-hmm. if they were to try to get there, you know, without one, they're going to have a hard time because they're typically the size of, like, a star. Like yeah. and Darkseid has been that big before. He's just walked in, came into a universe, took a planet, chucked it at somebody. I don't know yeah. who. Probably was Superman. I don't know, but <laughs> or Superman went to to 
to Apocalypse somehow by traveling faster than the light. I don't know. Comic book shenanigans. And he's and he's just like, oh, I made a mistake not boom tubing here. And yes, a boom tube is just that. It's a portal from one end to another, anywhere. And they're called boom tubes because when they activate, they make the boom sound. So yeah. You're not... Very, very imaginative sort of naming type, and it's not a euphemism, so don't even go there. <laughs> right. That also, these things are not the stealthiest ways to travel. Let's oh God, be honesty. No. But once again, if you're dark side, you don't exactly need stealth. So. No. But it, but it always is funny to me a lot of times whenever you if you watch like Justice League or any mo- animated movie or the show, it's like we have to sneak into Apocalypse. Okay, we're gonna use a mother box. Right. Boom. It's like, yeah, we're I here. I hear that. It's just like nobody heard us. How? We're like, in the wait clear. a minute, how? <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, we're on Apocalypse. I'm like, all right, they can't hear you over the screams of the uh, the tortured. and With the, everyone being tortured and the yeah, geysers and every, just the general sort of aura of horribleness of Apocalypse. <laughs> right. And I know we've also spoken about this before briefly in the Wonder Woman episode. Darkseid was was technically killed. Like it was his avatar was killed. He was killed, right, during referred as Darkseid War, but he he was brought back through Earth Three Super Superwoman's baby that absorbed that could absorb powers of people, and the baby was taken by his daughter Grail, and. <laughs> And she used it to absorb the full essence of Darkseid. So to me, that was funny. That was hilarious. Because briefly, he showed up in, like, full form Darkseid. But, like, obviously not. You know, he wasn't had the same mental capacity. So girl's like, I'm going to use him. He'll be my servant. End of the comic. You see her with the baby with gray skin and, and red eyes. And I'm like, this must be, like, aggravating for him. Because I'm sure... Cause, we see him later, and then like we see him later when he's const- when he's gaining more powers, and he's just like a teenager or a kid. But he's there; he's fully mentally there. I'm like, that must be just the worst. It's like yeah. I will conquer everything. You are small. How you? <laughs> you are a child, literally. <laughs> yeah, it probably doesn't. It's a, a, a fitting sort of uh, swing of the hammer of karma. If you think about it that way, too. But also just a very interesting way to continue Darkseid's line, I guess you could say, or arc at the very end. Even though it does end, it just sort of like, once again, shows the full sort of scope of his powers and just like how he how how encompassing he is and how it could be just a little bit um, easier for like just him to come back. Right, and then, because, like, you know, you could destroy Darkseid, but he always finds a way back. But yeah. to be a baby was hilarious to me. I was just like, oh, oh, that, yeah. like, and then in <laughs> in Dark Knight's Metal, when before everything kicked off, oh my God, Batman's, yeah. Batman's <sighs> ultimate plan to prevent something was to use baby Darkseid. And by baby Darkseid, I mean it was a gray-skinned baby that looked that had an outfit on like Darkseid and had little goggles on to make his eyes like just small a bit smaller but also red and I'm like Batman why was your plan to use a baby what the <laughs> hell 
it's it's funny too. It's worth mentioning that a lot of the times when Batman does come toe to toe with Darkseid, um, it usually results in some sort of interesting twist or sort of like some sort of sacrifice on Batman's part. That just is like sort of like okay, so we're really getting to see how far Bruce would go to stop this guy type thing. Like yeah. there's plenty of iterations where he sacrifices himself or threatens to do so in order to stop Darkseid and usually does. But yeah, it, it brings out an interesting side of Batman as well, but I don't want to get too far off topic. No, actually you bring up a very good point and I'm going to mention two of these, two important things that I, that you have now brought it from the depths of my mind. One is the justice league animated show, uh, justice league unlimited, like the last episode where they're fighting Darkseid. And Darkseid shoots the Omega Beams at Batman after he just, like, you know, bitch-slapped Superman and then zapped him. He zap- he shoots the Omega Beams at Batman. They go for him. He does a couple backflips, jumps down wherever they are. They follow. He he lands on a parademon. Yep. <laughs> and then and then he moves, and then they zap the parademon, and Darkseid goes, I'm impressed. Nobody's ever successfully dodged my Omega Beans. I'm like, yeah, because nobody else had fucking plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's all that is. Nobody has just sort of the insane level of plot armor intelligence that Batman does, so therefore he, he gets that medal. You know, he's allowed that medal. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. But also, there's another one where this is... um. It was, it's a, from a comic called Final Crisis, and this is another of those multiverse rewriting shenanigans. But there's it's an infamous – I don't want to say infamous. It's an infamous slash famous uh, image of Batman Batman pulling a gun on Darkseid and shooting yeah. him. Right, but he doesn't just shoot him with a bullet. Because first off, you're like, well, Batman doesn't use guns. It wasn't Batman. No, this was Bruce Wayne. But he yep. shot Darkseid with a gun, and the bullet was made out of radon or radion or something, some something that was basically like kryptonite for new gods. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Uh, he didn't shoot him to kill him. He just shot him, and then like really, like really bad in the shoulder or something, like near close to the heart. And then, uh. Darkseid zapped Batman and killed him. And, you know, the whole, you know, comic book world was like, holy crap, he just killed Batman. Yeah. And then Darkseid got beaten because the Flash just ran by with, uh, basically with death itself for some reason. And it it killed Darkseid. I'm like, what? Yay. Wait a minute. What? (laughs) Hold on. Time out. What? Once again, uh, just just a great example of just how weird and like kind of awesome and cool it can get with batman and dark side you know and it's always funny to me it's like superman the pinnacle of superheroism can't beat can't beat dark side oh, more basically, importantly can't I, outfly or outrun his omega beam yeah. <laughs> no like basically a god can't beat another god but a man in a fucking bat suit can like <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, well, Batman, how the hell did you plan? I planned for this. Ugh. Of course you did. <laughs> you of and course. your millions of dollars planned for this somehow. <laughs> yeah, it always astounds me. Nobody realizes, oh, I wonder where Batman's getting all this tech. Who who, who in Gotham has uh, billions of dollars? Mm. 
So, yeah. Before we go off, just a little bit of how ridiculous Batman's other separate identity is. want to make sure that we hit the rest of the Apocalyptans. Um, yes. One of the notable ones is actually part or was part of the now released Snyder Cut. Oh, we're dating well, the episode again. Oh, no. Yes. Technically speaking, Darkseid is part of it. Yeah, but this, this next guy was part of both versions yeah. of the Justice League movie. Double cameo. And must I say, the screen capture from the Snyder Cut makes him look way cooler than the original one. I haven't seen the Snyder Cut. I actually haven't seen the original Justice League, but um, I'm going to hopefully get to that when I have seven and a half hours on my hands. So, uh, but, don't worry, folks. I'm gonna make sure he has seven and a half hours free. I'm gonna, just, I'm just, I'm gonna tie Chris down. I'm gonna watch them both back to back. Sit me down. And, it's okay. <laughs> you can give me time for my next COVID shot while I'm in the middle of the movie. It, it'll take so long that I'll be a month ahead. That's where we'll be at. But of go. course, we're talking about Steppenwolf, who is a general of Apocalypse. You're gonna notice that that general title of Apocalypse gets thrown around a little bit. Um, that being said, you being a general of Apocalypse already brings you to a certain status, um, so it doesn't necessarily take away from the name. Um, Steppenwolf is very much a conqueror. Um, he's tried to conquer Earth Zero, didn't really go super successfully, and he was stranded on Earth 2, wherein he then had a child with Earth 2's Wonder Woman, but never actually raised her until the invasion. And we brought up this child also very briefly in the Wonder Woman episode, um, Fury. Um, we spoke about her very, very briefly and her powers and just her sort of unique ability. Um, want to focus a little bit more on Steppenwolf. If you want to hear just a little bit about Fury, you can go back to the Wonder Woman episode, and there's plenty of stuff to read on her. So you yes. won't you won't lose any time checking her out at all. No. I also um, do want to mention how funny it was that you mentioned that, Chris. He tries to conquer Earth Prime, Earth Zero, fails, and ends up on Earth 2. How? It's, hacking a mother box, you know, it's not a science, people. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yep, boom tubes. There you go. Yep. A lot of the times when you're when you're changing Earths in DC and you have something to do with the apocalyptans, it's just you know, boom tubes, motherboards, space magic. Boom. There you go. Motherboards. Like, that's motherboxes, the motherboards. mother boxes have motherboards. What? You know, it's essentially the same thing. You know, yes. mother mother boxes have much more of a soul than motherboards and are a little bit cooler, but you know, potato potato. Um, <laughs> anyways, after being stranded on Earth 2 for a certain amount of time, um, he tries to take it over about five years later and then fails and returns home back to Apocalypse. Um, he actually worked to lead Apocalypse briefly after Darkseid's quote-unquote apparent death. Once again, it was never really confirmed, and he end up did sort of end up coming back and you know taking over sort of the Emperor King ruler role or whatever. Um, but you know, he lost obviously because during dark side war, he sort of returns and therefore Steppenwolf is sort of brought back down to his station. Um, Steppenwolf is also, he's pretty famous for fighting Superboy. Um, and yeah, that's sort of his claim to fame with that. And he, as far as his powers go and things of that nature, um, he has crazy advanced hand to hand combat. Um, he has very good leadership skills. Um, he's been known to lead literally like hordes and hordes of parademons. Um, not as much as dark side, but you know, he gets pretty freaking close. Um, and you know, sort of with the leadership comes the military protocol. And interestingly enough, Steppenwolf is actually very well versed 
um, of the various factions on Apocalypse and is very political. Um, and from that sort of knowledge from Apocalypse, when he gets ends up being stranded on Earth, he gets a good handle of the political system there as well. Um, so it brings a little sort of dynamic nature to his character. Um, and I think that's it, it's cool. I, I, I like that aspect of him because it sort of shows you the way his mind works a little bit more. It shows you that a lot of the work that you have to do and sort of becoming or creating into this role is a lot of it is intelligence. Now we mentioned how powerful Darkseid is physically, but he's also very, very intelligent. And you'll find that that's very similar within all of the Apocalyptans, that the intelligence is kind of, is very much up there at the very least. You know, it, it, it would be hard to classify them because they're all super intelligent in their own way. Um, but at the end of the day, it's important to mention because their intelligence a lot of time is ends up sort of being the thing that saves them or, you know, sort of vindicates them um, if we're talking about a different character. But yeah. Um, and, you know, he loves that Electrorax and you can't really not mention Steppenwolf without that. Yeah. Um, crazy accurate with that. You know, that thing is just like off the walls, insanely cool. Um, but yeah, yeah Steppenwolf, is, he's, he's, he's very much lives up to the general name. Yeah, he did. He really is. It's just funny to me because uh, so the original Justice League movie, the the theatrical cut, I guess we have to call it now. Yeah, uh, we were we Chris and I were talking about this earlier. It's not really Joss Whedon's version and Zack Snyder's version. It's it's technically theatrical and director's cut, but yeah, I you know I'm sure we're all gonna just call it the Snyder cut and that's fine, but. The Snyder Cut version really does look more comic accurate to, you know, Steppenwolf minus some red coloring and some capes and whatnot. But that's fine. What's funny to me is that Steppenwolf is a general, right? And he, but he got his butt handed to him by Superboy. Oh, and yeah. This is not Connor Kent. This is not, you know, this is not the clone. Mm-hmm. This is Superboy, the son, Jonathan Kent. This isn't even mm. New 52 Superboy, who we're not going to talk about because he's, he's bad. But <laughs> it's just there's that whole thing was a mess. Again, we're talking a little bit about Batman. We're talking a little bit about Superboy. I know we got a little bit off tangent, but we're not going to talk about that one. This is John Kent, son of Superman, and he's 10. And Steppenwolf got his butt handed him by a 10-year-old. So, oh, yeah. I like to imagine that he, that happened and he looked to his subordinates and it's like, say anything and you're dead. And they're all like, what? Yes, sir. No, <laughs> like, yes, sir. No, no, like, it wasn't super. Screech and Parademon. And he's like, okay, yep. <laughs> like, well, I mean, there, there's Parademons, then there's normal generals to, you know, normal soldiers. So it, it's like Parademons are their own breed. But if you were born in Apocalypse, yeah. Typically, you're a soldier, so he just looks at them. He's like, nobody says anything, and it's just like, no, I was Superboy. I was Superman. <laughs> it, Superman was a, it was a man. It, no, it's definitely a man for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> so funny to me. Yeah, I, sh- I should have made that ex- uh, distinction that it was John and um, yeah. not any of the other ones. But yeah, important to note at the very least, and that's sort of like his big claim to fame on top of just like also looking just really cool. <laughs> He's just yeah. like got such a cool outfit. He really does. And it's funny because he might be the general 
but I definitely would say that, and he he's smart. Other than, and I'm not, and we're not including Dark Side in this, um, because he is the ruler of Apocalypse, so he is, you know, the peak of everything of Apocalyptean. Mm-hmm. But Steppenwolf being the general, I feel like there are definitely smarter people than him on yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah, I, I I would agree. Yeah, I mean, he's up there as far as his like leadership skills and his political knowledge, as I mentioned. Um, but that being said, I definitely don't think he takes the cake for being the most intelligent. Um, and I think it's also important to mention sort of the new god physiology. I know that we talked about um, that they live outside of normal time and space, excuse me, time and space in the fourth world. Um, so even though they look like people, um, they've evolved due to their close proximity to a source called primeval energy, um, which, you know, is believed to be sort of like the the base plate expression of just like energy throughout the universe. And that's sort of like what allows them to um, reach this status. You know, I just want to make sure that we mention that because we mentioned that they live outside of time and space, but it also comes with a physiology. So them being in a different realm, if you could call it that, grants them certain attributes um, that, you know, regular homo sapiens and sort of like heroes and superhumans and stuff like that just don't have because they're not, they don't have access or availability to that environment. And so obviously Steppenwolf has that, Darkseid has that, the rest of the team that we're going to break down here in a sec also has that. I just want to throw that in there because I know that we mentioned the environment but you also need to bring up the physiology as well. And it, you know, it, it contributes to their intelligence and to their military tactics and just like to their leadership skills and all of the sort of like extra tertiary skills that each member of this team has and stuff like that. If you could call them a team, I don't think, I don't think they're really a team. They're just sort of like no. a collection of people and you can just, new I would, you yes. know, they're just, um, they're apocalypticians. That's really Apo- yeah. Just a collection of apocalypticians. Let's just go there. <laughs> Let's just leave yeah. it at that. Don't try to explain yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No. But you know. Yeah. Yes, I agree that they have the physiology, like the Kryptonian physiology, the Martian physiology, yeah. Atlantean. Yeah. But that's all comparing them to normal human beings. You know, even some other like superheroes have different physiologies, but that's because they're not fully human. You know. These guys, 100%, not human at all. Why do not they look human, human though? Because. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people believe that it, it it is that way. You know, obviously you could break this down and get very practical that like a lot of the times we make things in our own image. But a lot of people believe that it was a conscious choice on Jack Kirby's part to make them look human so that it'd be more approachable for the readers. Um, you know, dark side being a little bit on the more abstract side of that spectrum and the rest of them being pretty much human like, but yeah. So it, it elevates them to a new level essentially, mm-hmm. but at the same time keeps them in the realm of understanding by having them physically be presented as human like, even though they're nothing of the sort. Yeah, no. And I honestly would not uh, put it past the King. If uh, he was thinking of Houdini when he made this next guy, Mr. Miracle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does this man makes Houdini look like a chump? Oh, hardcore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he makes <laughs> he makes Houdini look like 10-ply, bud. It's insane. Yeah. So this is Scott Free. We mentioned him earlier. The adopted son of Darkseid. The biological son of Highfather. So when 
you know, when Darkseid got Scott free, which he was not named, by the way, like these children were, these babies were, were named by the, you know, their adopted parent. Darkseid didn't care. Darkseid immediately did not care about this baby. He's just like, nope, I'm going to put you over here. You're going to go do your own thing. I don't care. He named himself, you know, at some point, but he, he was immediately given to another important general of dark side for discipline. And I said that I meant with air with quotes, you know, with quote unquote discipline, you know, so he was put in something referred to as the pit or the X pit or whatever you want to call it, you know, which is supposed to be, which is supposed to be something that nobody can get out of. And it's supposed to be like the ultimate disciplinary building. You can call it that. Some people would on apocalypse would call it an orphanage, which it's clearly not. Yeah. Because I would say anything with a good sounding name in apocalypse is not good. Hundred oh, yeah. percent bad. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this before the episode that a lot of the times some of these characters have like relatively mundane, mundane sounding names, and then you actually look into their character and it's like, oh my god, this I this is not what I was expecting at all. And it's the same exactly. thing with the pit. <laughs> yep. So, but Scott kept escaping he kept doing his best getting out learning Mm -hmm. you know and then he but you know while even there he you know he made a friend surprisingly you know in which i mean good on him which is you know which is good but i think at some point and i know this is i believe this is in one of the justice league unlimited episodes which a flashback for him and he keeps trying to escape and you know his quote-unquote caretaker you know, it's just like, you're never going to get out of this scot-free. And he's just like, yeah, you know what? That's my name, scot-free. And I'm like, you know what? That is an adorable way for you to get your name. And oh, I love yeah. it. But why is he called Mr. Miracle? Well, in one of his original origins, he actually, when he got to Earth, you know, years later, he studied underneath a escape artist in a circus who was stage name was Mr. Miracle, but when he retired, uh, he gave it to Scott. So Scott became Mr. Miracle, but even using some apocalyptic tech, he became a superhero. I'm sure inadvertently, but also really, really cool. Like, the first episode that I think you're introduced to, one of the episodes you introduced to him in the Justice League show, for when he's practicing, he's doing, he's telling this, he's telling his crew, yeah, we're doing a test run of for this charity event, okay? They locked him. They put him in a straight jacket, locked him down with chains, put him in like a, in a metal casket, froze it with liquid nitrogen, and then a train was supposed to come and hit it, and he's supposed to escape. No, the train got lifted in by a helicopter and then dropped <laughs> onto, onto him, onto everything that he was in. Yeah, obviously, obviously you just see everything smash, and then. He's just elsewhere. He just appears elsewhere. It's like what? <laughs> it's like I got. Meanwhile, he's holding the chains in his hands. Like, yeah, I got out of it. Duh. <laughs> and I'm like, there's a lot of times you're like, all right, did you teleport or did you actually get out of there? Like, I'm not 100 percent sure you did that. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you're bullshitting us here. <laughs> it's it's important to mention that um his suit um is is sort of like a key factor in that as well because it has like an unlimited or at the very least like unknown amount of hidden compartments with who knows what inside 
and that's sort of what like the miracle in Mr. Miracle or part of it at the very least refers to that and his sort of like incredible escape artist abilities. Um, and that, you know, a lot of times it's attributed to those like unknown, relatively unseen pockets within his suit. Um, Cause they're not obvious at the very least when you see the design, unless he sort of like points them out to you. And so those a lot of the times sort of help him within those situations and are thought to be filled with things that can aid him in escape and quote unquote, an unlimited amount of things, therefore making him Mr. Miracle and things. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to mention this is the only person I think that can that can pull off green, red, and yellow all in one outfit and make it look good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> all these colors work together, my friend. Yeah. Will you make it work? Who could have known? Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. he's also helped a lot of heroes on multiple Earths, too. Mm-hmm. He tried to help the Earths, the heroes of Earth, too. Then he moved to Earth Zero and helped them against, you know, Darkseid during the Darkseid War. And I'm sure it's spattering about here and there. He, what he's, you know, and he's he has had his own run. A particular run was very interesting, and I've read it, and I've read it several times. I'll be honest, still not 100% sure what the hell is happening, but that, I say that in a good way. And why why is that? Well, because either Mr. Miracle, the one that you think of when you're reading like Dark, Justice League Dark Side War or something. Or a different, or an echo of him, and by echo I mean pre-Flashpoint, or maybe, you know, the two of them got fused somehow through some space shenanigans, who knows. You know, it was affected by the anti-life equation, and he was experiencing, like, a normal life with his wife and son, <laughs> but also being called to war between yep. Genesis and Apocalypse. So he basically, and freaking out. Like while doing it, like just spiraling into who knows what, and I I don't want to really want to spoil it because the whole comic is supposed to you, you never get a perfect answer, but there is a line where he looks at his wife and he goes, oh, "Are your eyes brown?" And she's like, "Yes, Scott, they've always been brown." He's like, "I could have sworn they were green," <laughs> and she's like, "No, they've been brown." So you have no. Meanwhile, you go back a few pages, they were green. So yeah. Like what? What the hell? What just happened? Yep. You know, and then even and I think there's a funny part. Him and his wife are battling bad guys and they're talking about remodeling the kitchen while doing it. I'm like, that is the relationship you want to have. Listen. Oh, yeah. Seriously. They're honestly like far and away. Uh, Scott Free and Big Barter's relationship is just sort of like goals to a certain point. Like they're they're just they're, they're so great together. It's awesome. And it's funny because, you know, it's it, it's just so wholesome in such weird circumstances that you would never yeah. expect. Yeah, really, really weird circumstances, especially really weird. You know, how they met and what Big Barda used to do, like, is really funny to me. Oh and yeah. That, that's always the point of comics when it's like, oh, they're married and they're also both superheroes. Okay, they're fighting bad guys. It's like, honey, I was thinking about, uh, you know, coloring the the kids' room this. But the the other person's like kicking a bad guy while their teeth fly their teeth fly out. It's like, why would you pick that color? It's awful. Like, just having a normal conversation while beating the snot out of bad guys. I'm sure <laughs> somebody else is like, what are they are they talking about mundane stuff? Like, what the hell? 
they arguing about dishes in the middle of a war? What? Yeah. It's like exactly <laughs> how it is. Yeah. Yep. And it segues perfectly into the next character, which is Big Barda and is Scott Free or Mr. Miracle's wife. And so Barda herself was the former leader of the Furies, which was a sort of it similar to if you want to compare it, if you had to compare it to something, it would be something similar to um, the Amazonians. Um, and sort of like, yeah, yeah, that sort of uh, collection of warriors, you know, very powerful, very advanced in weapons and training and military knowledge and things like that. Uh, but Big Barda falls in love with Mr. Miracle and she ends up leaving Apocalypse to be with him. Um, however, she does end up at some point have to return to um, the female Furies after getting their help during Dark Side War. And uh, before I move on, actually, I want to bring up something about Big Barter's character that when she was first created and when her and Mr. Miracle did for in their origin, like their original OG origin, um, sort of get together and sort of declare their love and start a relationship and everything like that. There's a nice little reversal of the stereotype associated with female characters at that time in comic books. Because Barda is physically way more powerful than Mr. Miracle and is way more willing to use that power in battle. And on top of it is just that much more protective of Mr. Miracle. But at the same time, when they do end up being together and settling down, no matter how long it is, um, she does treasure and sort of hold in high regard her roles of wife and housekeeper as well. But that doesn't diminish the fact of that she is, you know, a badass in all sense of the words. And, you know, it's not exactly 100 percent feminist to say that she enjoys the the roles of the wife and the housekeeper. But once again, it just sort of goes back to the OG and sort of the dating of the comics at the time. It has since evolved, which I think we're all a little bit better off for. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, duty calls and she is armor up, axes out, ready to go roaring and ripping and tearing and just like destroying everything in the coolest way possible she's insanely physically way more powerful um than mr miracle and her powers you know they're not necessarily anything that's like too special or too off the cuff she has the immortality superhuman durability superhuman reflexes stamina strength things like that um her hand-to-hand combat is you know highly 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 advanced obviously being the leader of the female furies and things of that nature um and she also has that vulnerability to radeon as sort of zach mentioned before similar to when batman shot dark side with that special bullet same sort of thing so so her powers are not totally unique but they're not they're not but they're not something to sneeze at either you know what i mean oh no 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 they're base they're 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 like pretty basic but at the same time they're basic and they're elevated to a new level which makes them worth mentioning you know Mm -hmm. it's it's not like just sort of an off-the-cuff sort of side tertiary character that's given this stuff and it's like oh they're a master assassin it's like oh okay so they're like a pretty good fighter it's like no barda is a very very accomplished fighter you know she has untold number of millennia on her back as far as like battles and military knowledge and how to defeat the enemy. Um, she's not to be screwed with at all, especially if you mess with Mr. Miracle, she's, you know, chop your head right off. Won't even think a second about it. Yeah, no, but like, which could she beat Superman in a, in an arm wrestling? I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Who it's knows? One of those things. But, yeah. but she is not like 
a weakling. And yeah, she's not, you know, could she, does she like, and it's funny because I would say she likes to do the mundane housework because of her history on Apocalypse yeah. of yeah. like literally death and destruction yeah. at every corner. And it's just like, you know, and it, and it's good to be like, oh, she doesn't, you know, she got, she didn't oh, get married and hang it all up. It's like, no, no, God, you no. come into her house. Or mess up her husband, she gonna kick your ass. She yeah, she won't. She care. won't hesitate to bring that history and all that experience back. It's not like the grizzled sort of detective that is like, they called me back once again, and I have to do what I do best type thing. She's like, no. She's like, all right, let's take it outside right now, and we'll like square up and we'll destroy you. Like she yeah. has no hesitation about that. And it's cool that you mentioned that she has all that battle experience, and therefore it sort of elevates how much she relishes the role of the wife and the housekeeper, and that sort of you know brings up a little bit of another reversal of that stereotype once again still putting her in a certain box at the time period but it also has evolved um and speaking of a box in the time period there's some rather interesting i guess is the word storylines for big barda um there's one in particular i'm thinking of that involves a character called sleaze um that is a little bit older <laughs> and yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about that is sort of yes one of those storylines that really doesn't help the stereotype at all um no no no, no. so, so i would want... say if you're gonna do some research into big barda just be prepared once again this is a dated character you're gonna run into crap like this like you do with every female even... character in comic book representation you're right but I really wouldn't say dated because she still, you know, exists and she's still important and she has changed. But what you're referring to with Sleaze, who is also in another Apocalyptic, who we're not going to talk about. No, God, no. But if you look, if you find that, um, that is very dated and also it's supposed to be or what the hell kind of a comic. And I would say that's less on Big Barda and more on the fact that it was written as a Superman story. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, it, it's, it's one of those that it's like when you talk about Big Barda's history, it's it's just sort of I don't I don't really think it's talked about that much at DC headquarters and things like that simply because of just like the vulgar nature of it. Um but that being said, it's definitely not no fault of Big Barda's I think there was just like a horny intern who was like, oh, we need something to accompany the Superman story. Let's add this in. So, you know, she is a powerful character. Um, when I said dated, I talked about sort of like how they portrayed her. Her actual character is not dated. She's actually crazy, incredibly val- valuable and powerful and all that other stuff. But, yeah. She stands yeah. on her own. No problem. She does, stand on, she does stand on her own, especially, you know considering the person who trained her and raised her yeah uh, which is granny goodness again this is one of these characters you're like wait a minute she sounds nice remember we're talking about apocalypse you have a nice name you are almost as bad as dark (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because zach and i once again going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode i had never heard of Granny Goodness. I had heard of every single Apocalyptian that we're going to talk about today other than Granny Goodness. I had never heard of her. I had never read anything about her. You know, I, I had read about Big Barda, and I assumed that Granny Goodness was a representation of something or a, a symbol or a meaning for something. But no, it's an actual physical person. And I swear, we can't make this up. We didn't make this up. That's her actual name. 
it's it's a little wacky, but I think it's sort of meant to be kind of like, oh, granny goodness. And then Zach's going to explain to you why she is the way she is. <laughs> yep. So she is the caretaker of Apocalypse. I say caretaker again with quotes because she does not do a good job according to Child Protective Services uh, <laughs> standards. 100%. Oh, my God. Not, CPS would have her executed. Are you kidding I me? I think she would execute CPS first. True. <laughs> <laughs> so she's also a general of Darkseid and the – I guess you can call call her the the uh, head of the FBI for the Furies. She's like, all right, Furies, you're going to go here. They go do the job. Done. Yeah. So she, you know, she is known for her cruel torture, you know, of just people on Apocalypse for re- for discipline to, you know, for when they get out of line, when they fail. There's really not a whole lot really about her, like just yeah. her. She's like, she's usually mostly around anything apo- regarding Apocalypse. She also, uh, this was a Grant Morrison story. This does kind of involve a lot of people we've already spoken about, but um, Grant Morrison, great writer, does some weird stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. though. So they, everybody from Apocalypse and New Genesis, for some reason, um, I'm sure it's Darkseid's fault somehow, they all had to hide out on Earth, right? So all the New Genesis people just hid out as homeless people. Uh, not... Not the Apocalypticians, no. Uh, you know, Darkseid became like a mob boss. Certain people became like sci- like a cruel and sadistic scientist mm-hmm. or, um, you know, like a general in the military. Crazy goodness, but for some reason became like a pimp, I guess. That's yeah. the best way to describe her. And all the Unfortunately, people that is the best word. <laughs> yes. And so I was just like, all right, I'll st- Grant Morrison, you have intrigued me because i want to see where the hell this story is going and it ended with final crisis somehow i i if i wish i could explain how it got there i really can't Mm -hmm. because again grant morrison great writer Uh, you gotta you gotta be on that ride though and don't expect to understand what the hell just happened oh yeah he's one of those guys who's a little bit out there but he's out there and you you get some interesting stuff from it um, and I think it's it's worth mentioning that one of Granny Goodness's sort of powers is just simply called pedagogy, um, which if you're familiar with teaching at all, it's sort of the language in which you use to teach, how you sort of like interact with your students and stuff like that. That's classified as one of her powers, um, like canonically, and sort of how she uses that to teach the people that she's torturing or enslaving um, about apocalypse and about the way of life, or at the very least inflict some sort of harm literally within her words. And so it's sort of like, once again, you don't have a whole lot of backstory for granny goodness, but once you see the breadth of her powers and you see how not basic they are, but how minimalist they can be and how effective they can be from that minimalist nature. And it, it sort of makes her an interesting dare I say side or tertiary character, even though she is an apocalyptin, you know, it's just because we don't really have a whole lot of information on her. I would say she's definitely a tertiary character. Well, yeah. if, if, if you're having a story that involves apocalypse or anybody from apocalypse, she's typically, she's, she's going to be there. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's she's a, a reliable sort of cameo in anything to do with apocalypse or torture or the pit slash orphanage. Orphanage again, Jack Kirby coming up with these names. I'm just like, all right, he he just ran out of bad sounding names. He was like, all right, these I'm just gonna give them good sounding names. And <laughs> here's the twist: is Honestly, they ain't good. The orphanage is. is kind of it can be foreboding i think there's actually a horror movie called the orphanage that was directed by guillermo del toro so it's you know it's not necessarily a quote-unquote nice name but it's also not exactly an inherently evil one and so it it's an interesting choice at the very least honestly i think orphanage and i get a little bit freaked out just because they're so heavily utilized in the media and horror movies and stuff like that but you know at the same time it does kind of seem like he was like uh, I got to come up with something. The deadline's due in five minutes. Okay, here we go. It's an orphanage. Ah, and just like turned it in type thing. But that yeah. being said, it does not diminish the king. I'm going to get down on my knees and do a little bit of a prayer now because <laughs> he is one of the one above all. So there we go. There you go. It's And, it's, and also along with most stories that involve apocalypse, you also have the shock troopers, the foot soldiers, the ones that Batman really doesn't care about killing some yeah. for some reason. Batman, um, parademons. Well, I mean, you, you, the thing is with parademons, they're you know the, just to explain them first before I get into why Batman might not be might be chill with killing them. Um, sort of they're the basic sort of grunts. They're the advanced force that sort of like swarms the enemies. You know, White Walker style from Game of Thrones. They come at you all at once. Um, and they are fire breathing and they have detonators sort of built into them. So, you know, if all else fails and they get killed, they have a secondary measure to cause even more destruction. Um, and they typically sort of follow the same look. Um, but that being said, parademons are actually reanimated corpses of those that were killed and then taken by the forces of apocalypse. So everybody that they take over, you know, it's very similar to white walkers, which is why I sort of like made that analogy to sort of like bring it into something a little bit more current to help you guys sort of like get um, their status and just like how, how encompassing they are and how they consistently add to dark side's army. And is honestly a very um, clever plot device to keep the army fulfilled and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, honestly, I think Batman would be chill with killing them because they're already corpses. They're just reanimated. So I think in his logic, he could be like, I'm, you know, at the very least, I'm giving them something that they would never have type thing, you know, where they give them some I sort guess. of peace versus being subservient to other dark side. I'm, I'm, I'm probably reaching for straws a little bit, but at the same time, yeah, Batman doesn't really seem to care to let them get disintegrated by the Omega beam while his plot armor protects him. So <laughs> That's true. That's fine. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, sure. That's probably why he doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can, we, yeah, we can sort of like logistically say that's it for now until we get an actual answer from Bruce Wayne himself. But you know, the parademons themselves, they're part of apocalypse. Um, that being said, they are similar to cannon fodder. They're just a little bit stronger than most cannon fodder. Once again, just because where they come from being in the fourth world and things of that nature, um, so they're not inherently like quote unquote part of the team, but they are sort of a worthy mention when you're talking about apocalyptans because they're everywhere that you're going to see apocalyptans, whether they're on earth, whether it's on apocalypse, whether it's a two, five, negative 53, whatever. If there's an apocalypse in there, more than likely there's parademons. Mm-hmm. Which 
And they are the grunts. They're the, uh, you know, the faceless, the faceless bad guys that you see in movies that 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 just get beat up and thrown off screen and never hear from again. Yeah, that's that's really what they are. Yeah. And it it's so. I want to start the part. I want to end the podcast the same way we started, uh, with Dark Side. I will explain why, but I want to quote Dark Side. One of his favorite things I feel like he loves to say, Dark Side is. Yep. There you go. Is what? I don't know. Whatever the hell he wants to be at whatever given time. That's... He gets to decide. None exactly. of us can say shit about that. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to I want to end this with the true dark side. All right. So there's very little appearances of the true dark side, but the true dark side is what dark side is. He is a god of chaos and anti-life. Right. He. Every time that you, like, like in older comics, every, I would say everything from the first appearance to up to Dark Side War is more like a, a, a golem or a puppet, you know? So it's not really his true body. His true essence, his true form can't leave his spot above Fourth World. By above, I mean, like, I guess Fourth World has, like, its own heaven or something like he's somewhere in fourth world and he can't leave there because if he did he would just destroy all of reality yeah like i always feel like even if we tried to leave before he even got to a universe all of it would just disappear because he's just it's like pure essence basically you know and the and now well now post dark side war there is no oh it's just a golem it's just a puppet no all of the Omega Sanction and Dark Side got absorbed into that 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 Earth Three baby. I can't ever say that without laughing. That Earth <laughs> that that new body of his. We'll go with that. So now he just that is him. But there was an instance where the true Dark Side existed, but it was kind of through the Dark Multiverse, Death Metal shenanigans again. But now there was only one Dark Side. And that's it. Yeah. So, but I do want to. I did want to mention him, because it, it just it's like his, it's a like his history. It's important. Yeah. And you know, so ended. We started with Dark Side. We ended with Dark Side. I, I just, I just, I just want to hit this point real yeah. quick before we ended here. Every iteration of Dark Side that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast was controlled by true dark side. So every single representation, every single quote unquote, I guess you could call it a cameo at this point, knowing that true dark side exists is controlled by true dark side. So once again, it gives you another sort of look into his literal God status. I can't yeah. like stress that enough that yeah. he, th- they're puppets, they're puppets for the real thing. Okay, and so a fraction of his power, literally, that just shows you how, like a fraction, like you just a a bit of his power. Yeah, I mean now it now it's all him. If that, (laughs) right now it's all him. So that's even more terrifying, I'd feel. But even then, but that also shows you just before Dark Side War, how, but it it made it was really weird for me with um with Dark Side War 
like, wait, but you killed him, but true, but me reading Dark Side War, knowing true Dark Side exists, right? Wait, but you killed him, but that's supposed to be a pup, like an an avatar of Dark Side. So how did you? How did you kill him with? Did you use the did you use the anti-life equation to kill? I don't know how you did that. Like literally, yeah. me reading it, I was like, "But that wasn't dark." What? Yeah. <laughs> like wait a minute. And so, huh? Yeah, and once again, if even if you are able to go through the trouble, if if that's a very very that's like a megaton weighted if if you are able to even kill him, it's not done. It's not yeah. over. And I got to say that because more often than not, the Justice League, their go-to solution for Darkseid is to banish him, is to throw him back. More often than not, he's so difficult to defeat that the easiest solution is to just get him out of there as soon as possible. So once again, if you're able to get rid of him, you got to even like more powerful second stage of this boss that you can't even comprehend how like just that. incredibly, incredibly stupid. Stupidly strong he is. Yeah, I I like that second second stage boss. That's it's, exactly it's, what this is. It's I mean, like the embodiment of like the scariest second stage in history. <laughs> yep, and it's funny because I'm pretty sure DC realized that and they went, all right, or somebody dredged it up from from the back room. It's just like, oh wait, True Dark Side's still a thing. Yeah. Um. So no, we're gonna that all of his essence is gonna be absorbed by this baby. And that will be just all of him at at, at once. Like, all right, that solves <laughs> that issue. Like, what? Honestly, I, I don't think the second stage takes away from his character, though. I think there's a lot of times that you can mess up a villain's power. Um, I, I would say that it happens more often with Thanos than it does with Darkseid. Learning that there's, like, one true form of him above all else just sort of, like, makes him scarier. You know, like as a kid, sort of like watching Superman fight Darkseid on Apocalypse and having him almost kill him and then his servants save him for him to be so valued and to have that just be a puppet completely changes the game. Mm hmm. So we're going to again, we're going to give some recommendations. True Darkseid, again, very few appearances. Very few. Every, everything post. Most of the time, everything post uh, Darkseid War is. You know, it's all of Darkseid. It's just the true Darkseid. But the first first time that I remember seeing it was Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a really key important one because I also remember reading that and I went, "What the heck is that? That's what?" And then I looked into it. I'm like, "Oh, that's terrifying." Yeah. You know? But also Dark Knight's Death Metal Trinity Crisis and Justice League Odyssey. You know, those will are some. They got some true Darkseidness in there. Mm-hmm. Parademons, they don't have their own solo series. Sorry to say yeah. that, but they're they're just everywhere. Once again, if there's an apocalyptic, you're gonna see parademons. That's just yep. sort of the best way to yep. you know uh, plug their appearances. But some two I think cool appearances for parademons: Justice League Dark Side War, Green Lantern, and Justice League Dark Side War, Lex Luthor. Again, yeah. I know. These titles are long and silly. I'm sorry, I can't help you. The Lex Luthor one is really good. Yeah, I also, again, long titles, I can't, I didn't write these titles. There's DC, go yell at them. (laughs) Granny Goodness. Granny Goodness, Big Barda, and Mr. Miracle, 
Tom King's Mr. Miracle run, mm-hmm. really good. Really good. good. Yep. Um, but from Granny Goodness the and Big Barda, the female Furies, 2099. Uh, 2099. Dang it. 2019. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. Marvel. That's where that came from. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Granny Goodness, Sam Humphreys, Harley Quinn, volume three, issues 43 to 45. I think she has to fight Harley Quinn to be in charge of something on Apocalypse, and I'm sure Harley Quinn wins for a little bit. But, you know, that's pretty silly for me. It'd be like, oh, you almost got your butt kicked by a clown. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle, Justice League Dark Side War. Mm-hmm. It was very good appearances. Again. And Earth Earth 2 World's End. That's, that's where they help people of Earth 2 against Dark Side, or slow the progress, I should say. Yeah. Steppen, yeah, Steppenwolf, New 52 Earth 2, specifically issues 8 and 16. New New 52 Justice League, Volume 2, specifically issues 6 and 42. Because, again, Steppenwolf is, does not, you know, while he's a general, he's not, I, I would say he's not uh, arc or solo series worthy, unfortunately. But yeah. he does make his appearances. And Rebirth, Superman... Volume 4, issues 33, 35, and 36. I'm pretty sure that's probably where he gets his butt handed to him by a 10-year-old. Yep. And dark, Big Boy Dark Side, Tom King's Mr. Miracle, Justice League Dark Side War, Justice League Odyssey, Final Crisis, and New 52 Justice League Origin, Earth 2, Worlds End, and plenty more. Yeah. I would say also the original, I would say actually also him for uh the forever people you know anything that's oh, yeah. do with like orion or genesis yeah the forever all the forever people we might if we do when we do a new genesis episode with i would definitely we'll make note to talk about them because they are underrated characters i feel oh like. yeah they're 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 worthy of an episode for sure mm-hmm. so dark side of apocalypse chris i uh you still have some more reading to do it sounds like I have quite a bit of reading to do. That being said, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I was able to contribute as much as I did to this episode because you are much more well-versed in DC than I. Yeah, well, this is what I love. This is what I like, as crazy as it is. It's always interesting to see what people, people think of and what they think to add. And on that note, I think Chris, Chris and I got to go watch a movie for about four hours. So (laughs) I'm not going to make you do that. (laughs) Oh man. I'll make sure to bring my plot armor so I can avoid the Omega. (laughs) There you go. That's important. (laughs) Don't forget your plot armor. 